Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Lift Your Edge podcast. Today, I'm joined with Steve Tan, who is a Singapore-based serial entrepreneur and a renowned e-commerce dropshipper and full-stack digital marketer. And he has over 14 years of extensive experience and hands-on experience in the e-commerce space. And he's been crushing it with his brother, Evan. And they together, they sold over $100 million dollars in products online and you know i've seen his ads everywhere on youtube these days and i just thought you know what i gotta get this guy on the podcast because uh, he's just crushing it welcome to the live your edge podcast this is gilbert joy your host the live your edge podcast is where i interview seven and eight figure entrepreneurs influencers and successful business owners who in their own right were able to create a life on their own terms we talk a lot about stepping out of your comfort zone, but what does it really mean to be in discomfort and how you can expand your so-called comfort zone by being able to constantly test and challenge yourself. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you, Gilbert. Thanks for having me. And so kind of walk us through your journey. Like, how did you get started in e-commerce and why e-commerce particularly? Because there's a lot of different industries out there uh, that you uh, be a part of. But I guess 15 years ago was just the early internet days. And where did you actually learn about e-commerce back then? I started with internet marketing because that's something um, well, that's the easiest thing or probably the lowest barrier to entry, right? Because there's... I'm just a broke student trying to make ends meet. And I came across like um, Internet Marketing Center. Like uh, I think it's one of the really old OGs at the time. It's called Corey Rudolph. So I bought that course. I, I, I dabbled myself into like online marketing, internet marketing or whatever you guys call it. And it gave me really broad insights about, wow, wh- how, what kind of potential this industry has. So I was really fascinated by, you know, how all these guys have been able to like, you know, scale up different kinds of businesses through online, right? Because I was only like, only, I was just finishing probably army in Singapore, like, you know, in Singapore, everyone has to go through national service, right? So I was just learning, um, trying to learn more things before I finish NS so that I know what I'm going to do. So I tried pretty much everything, like, you know, all the kind of online stuff, like uh, Google AdSense, blogging. You know, trying to sell um, services like ClickBank and all that kind of stuff. And it didn't really work out. So I was quite like, um, I was quite sad. So I started to explore trying to sell things on like uh, platforms. And the first platform that I came across was eBay. And I started selling, you know, random stuff because at that point of time, I was in, already in China and I have access to a lot of like, you know, Alibaba and, all, you know, all this different wholesalers in China. So I was, I was trying to list things randomly on eBay, trying to sell things and it actually worked. So eBay was kind of like my first touch into e-commerce and subsequently, you know, I, I was able to scale the business to about thirty, forty thousand $40,000 per month and it was pretty profitable and I was doing, uh, I was still studying uh, university, but I decided to drop out because, you know, but the money was so good, you know, and even at that point of time, that money was like, so it, it, it's, it just blew my mind because from, for someone who hadn't sold online before, being able to sell your first product online, it just like, oh, oh, wow, actually all these things are real. Because at the point of time, like e-commerce wasn't like the big thing yet. It's, it's something pretty new. 
And that was my first dips into e-commerce. And that was during a time where like, if you told someone you're making 30, 40,000 online selling products, they would think you're crazy, right? And, and yeah, um, they would say like, yeah. <laughs> what did they say back then? You know, like what, what was the conversation that changed? You know, what, what is the difference between a, a conversation then and a conversation now when you tell someone that uh, you're in e-commerce? I don't think it's a, it's a trait that I'm proud of, to be honest, to be okay. really honest, like at the point of time, you know, I was focusing so much on my business and on neglecting all my social circle. So my friend told me like, you, you know, you're going to lose all your friends. So I was mm. like, I was like really jaded. Like, I'm not sure which one should I focus on. And when I tell my friends I'm doing e-commerce and all that, they were like, you know, they'll give you that really strange look even like my mom and all that she was like oh just make sure you're not doing anything illegal you know just make sure you're good so it's like okay you know it's it's just hard but right now when you tell people e-commerce like the majority of the people knows oh oh are you selling on lazada shopee shopify or amazon you know like you have all these big giants coming up so it's so much easier right now to tell people what you're doing and yeah that's kind of like how things evolve across the years much more acceptable, I would say, you know, like just telling them, yeah. even if people are doing a side hustle on the, hey, I'm doing, I'm selling on Amazon or, or some other like shop, uh, Shopify on the side and uh, just making some side income and that's a respectable thing. So now we're in like 2021 where, you know, e-commerce is blowing up and many people are getting on board. So in terms of like how the business has changed over the years, of course, there's more competition. There's more people getting in their space. And like you said, the barrier to entry is relatively low for certain types of e-commerce. Yep. So kind of walk us through it. Like what would you recommend nowadays as opposed to like when you started, right? Of course, you started on eBay. Now, nowadays, eBay is may, probably not the place to, to start for most uh, entrepreneurs. So what, what would your advice be for that? For sure. So eBay is just like kind of like our first steps and eventually we evolved into selling on our own sites. But back then Shopify wasn't like, you know, out yet. Okay. Uh, I think Shopify was only out in late 2009 or 2010. So we have to build our own servers and all that to host our e-commerce platform. So we started selling on our own sites because I was suspended. Uh, I, was, I was suspended by eBay for no good reason. So like, Literally, I lost my business overnight. So I started exploring how could I own my own customer data? How could I be like um, in control, right? So if you're selling on your own website, you're in control, like selling on your, having your store in Shopify, having your own domain, having your own customer data. That's kind of like what we focus on nowadays. We also do um, some bit of like Amazon. Amazon, we only started like, uh, I would say last year. So we built a new team to, to focus on Amazon as well, because it's a, it's a, it's an only channel that we're looking, going after. So it's not only one channel that we're focusing on only on our site. So our website would be just part of the traffic, I would say accounts to probably like 50, 60% of the sales. And we're looking to evolve into like a more only channel approach whereby, you know, we have offline, we have distribution, we have like uh, marketplaces like Amazon, Shopee, Lazada, and we have our own D2C site uh, whereby customers could come. And that's kind of like uh, how things have evolved. Last year, for the past few years, we have been focusing a lot on drop shipping, which is something still kind of like our core bread and butter right now. But this year, we'll be focusing more on building brands, something that will be more sustainable for the you know next three to five years because you're building an equity, you're building a brand value. So with drop shipping, it's more for like uh, I would say for beginners who are just getting started, people that mm. doesn't people that don't have a lot of money to start, you know, because 
I've, I've started from zero, so I know how hard it is to tell someone who's interested in doing e-commerce that they have to do a branding right from the start. Of course, there's different ways of doing white label, there's lower barrier of entry ways to do so, but I'll definitely think you need to hone your craft first in like, you know, learning how to do product research, market research, you know, understanding the, the target audience, your, your, tar uh, your market feed before you start doing, investing more money into doing a brand. So that's kind of like how things are changing and what we're focusing on for this year. And I, I do feel that like Amazon, like it's something that we definitely want to like, you know, get involved more because we, we, we have seen a couple of like, um, you know, friends that have been able to exit their Amazon business for like, you know, five to $10 million building like just brands from zero. And it's not even like a full fledged, uh, full fledged brand. It's something like, you know, they only have like three to four like best sellers and they can really dominate like the marketplace uh, channels using really good PPC and giveaways and different strategies. Mm, got it. Cause Amazon itself has a lot of different types of methods, right? You got the Amazon sure. FBA, you got the, Merch by Amazon. And then now you're talking about the branding. So branding, you're saying the the actual branded products, right? You spend time to do R and D and produce. Yes, it and that's support. right. So I'm, I mean, I, I mean, I have done, I have done a few brands prior to doing drop shipping. Right. So I kind of know how, how hard it is and how capital intensive it is. I mean, if, if someone has like a, a disposable, like a good amount of money, that's a totally different story. I'll definitely recommend them to go directly to the branding route because like if they have the money to burn in like R and D, like, you know, stocking inventory, then that's a totally different story. But majority of the people out there don't really have like, you know, probably 10, 20, $30,000 to kickstart the business. So like stocking inventory is going to take up a lot of money, you know, especially, you know, one of the biggest problems with newbies or beginners, you know, they always use their hunch to feel, oh, I feel this product's going to sell very well. Right. And they all did. You're going to put in all their money. You're going to buy inventory. You're going to slap on their logos, white label or, or whichever method. And they're going to come back to the reality in knowing that the product's not going to sell. Yeah. Probably in, in, a, in a few months time or probably there's a lot of competition. Right. So I think one of the things that I always tell my students or like my friends who are interested to start um, e-commerce is like, you have to learn your ropes. You have to learn how to walk before you learn how to run, before you learn how to fly. So that's kind of like a process. And, and I'm a big advocate for drop shipping because that's kind of like how we rebuild our entire wealth because like, you know, we kind of lost everything. You know, I was almost bankrupt, like uh, close to zero. I think I only had like two hundred dollars oh, wow. in my name. And when was and this, by the way? Dropshipping is some. This was like five years ago. Okay. Yeah, four or five years ago. So that's like uh, the one of the lowest point of time in my life. And dropshipping kind of safe, kind of helped us get into the e-commerce space again without a lot of like you know without a lot of uh, capital. And we rebuilt everything from there. So I'm really grateful for this business model because like, if not for this business model, we probably wouldn't be where we are today right now. Mm. So even in 2021, like, you know, I heard about drop shipping for a number of years. I have friends that are drop shippers. So is it still like, it's still very lucrative in your opinion to, to get into drop shipping as a beginner, of course, because you, you don't want to be like doing the advanced stuff, like doing white labeling or building your own brand and spending thousands of dollars and maybe not even selling it. Cause I imagine there's so many moving parts that if, if they have to figure out how to make the product work and now they have to figure out the marketing side of stuff. And then, you know, this, so it's, it's still a very lucrative thing in 2021, right? So how, 
what would you do differently if you had to start over again today in dropshipping and how can people get started in that and how much do you think how much would they need to to get started to invest like maybe a thousand two thousand no what I think uh, a conservative amount to at least get started with dropshipping is at least five to ten thousand dollars, because like uh, dropshipping is like uh, you need to test a lot of different products in order to find what's working, right? Obviously, if people don't do proper research and just start like testing products without like you know verifying or checking if the products has certain demand, they're gonna fail uh, very badly. So dropshipping is still a very good market to be in, especially in 2021, because the only difference right now uh, between 2021 and like probably 2018 is like um, there's so much more competition for sure because like it's a it's a very low barrier to entry market and you know someone that's selling probably if you're selling product A, I could I could also sell the exact same product using different marketing strategies. And the thing here is like there's um there's some bad name to dropshipping because like you know it associates people with like poor quality products, slow shipping, poor customer service. But that's the thing that kind of like um destroys all the non-serious mm. sellers or like differentiates the serious sellers between the non-serious sellers, right? So if like right, what we do and differentiate ourselves um, um differently with all the majority of the sellers out there is we resolve all these three things, right? We, we have really great customer service. You know, we pretty much have like, you know, 24 hour KPIs that like every single ticket or every single email or live chat has, be, has to be cleared within 24 hours, right? And we don't sell crappy products. Like last time when 2018, you know, everyone's just trying to sell stuff from mm -hmm. AliExpress, right? And nowadays we don't, we, we use AliExpress only for product research or probably just checking out which suppliers to reach out to because we do have like a local like uh, procurement team uh, in China and we have a warehouse. So it's so much easier for us to source locally rather than going to AliExpress because AliExpress is more for, you know, people that doesn't have local uh, resources, right? So we validate and check the product quality to ensure that the product is good. It, it's not like some crappy China, uh, Chinese product that like have no no packaging no nothing that's one thing that we do very well and this will ensure good customer satisfaction because like if you're if one one of the big problems with like you know scammy sellers is that the product that they're listing or advertising on is not the product that they're shipping to the customers so that you know like that, that that's a big uh, that's a that's something that's mm. very bad in the industry that's causing like you know bad names to drop shipping itself but people don't understand that dropshipping is just a business model, right? It's like people that are shady, they can use this business model to exploit like the business model, but legit sellers like us, or like, you know, a lot of like other people that's doing white label or brand building, they could leverage the dropshipping business model to kind of like decrease their risk in terms of like inventory, you know, or they can work with like a few suppliers to kind of like diversify their risk as well. So this is something that we, we do very differently. And the last thing is like a lot of people are using very traditional convention like shipping methods like e-packet, right? Which, which, which is still okay, but there are certain like, uh, you know, different shipping lines that are like, for example, in the UK, you know, there's direct shipping lines that, that can, you can ship from China all the way to UK in a matter of like less than seven days, right? So a lot of people do not focus on building their infrastructure whereby we work with a variety of different shipping couriers so that we can reach us in less than seven to ten days we can use international europe and all that so 
the thing with dropshipping is because like when shipping times are super slow, like, you know, three, four weeks, people get frustrated, right? People, customers get frustrated. You get complaints, you get chargebacks, you get refunds and all that. And these are the things that has evolved like between 2021 and 2000, like, you know, past few years, people want to get their product even faster mm. and faster because like Amazon prime is yeah. really fast. Right. So people just like nowadays people are getting more impatient. So if, if someone was able to focus on all these few points in 2021, then dropshipping will still be really lucrative for them. But if they're still focusing on like just trying to make, uh, get money quick or make money quickly through all these different shady methods, then they're not going to last in the market mm. for sure. Because Facebook is definitely clamping down on all these aspects with feedback score. So with the feedback score that Facebook rolled out, it's trying to help consumers um, yeah. elevate the whole industry and they're trying to elevate the, the consumers experience like you know shipping speed customer experience you know product quality and all that kind of stuff it's gonna like uh, help change the whole industry in yeah, a better definitely. way definitely i remember buying some products um you know from these instagram ads and i, I bought like one of those galaxy lights <laughs> and on on the advertisement it looks amazing right and, and there's a video and then I, I get it and it, I received the package and it's something completely different, right? It's like, for sure, you could have made it for like five or $10. And as soon as I reach out to customer service, I don't receive a response. And then when, once I get a response, it's like, oh, uh, send me some information and I don't get any information, uh, like response after that. So definitely like the, the quality of the product, the customer service, the shipping, the shipping, handling and all that stuff. And during COVID, I'm, I'm imagine like shipping was a nightmare for the e-commerce space. Like personally, I have like the stuff that I buy on um, online that uh, takes months to get to. Like I buy like keyboard stuff. Like I'm a geek on, on like keyboards and, and all of that. And that stuff is really hard to source. And I had to wait six months for a package to to to, to wow. get there. And then now like one of the one of the <laughs> things that I was been waiting for since since may this year it's not shipping until april next uh, this year uh, uh, so so it's almost like a year right and that that kind of yeah, stuff is I like know. you know i mean of course in this um kind of like niche it's acceptable because you know keyboard stuff is, is a, a niche that's a very hard to access but i imagine like in e-commerce in general like you said you can stand out now in 2021 especially even during the pandemic which is still going around around the world if you could improve that customer experience, make sure that uh, you're, you're getting in touch with the, uh, the end, end customer, making sure that they know that their package is on the way and not lost in traffic or, or somewhere in the world. Uh, so those are really good uh, points you brought up. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, and given the, Thank you. I, I know you have like a couple hundred staff around the world, uh, and, and many of them are handling your customer service. So for those that are starting off, they have like a small team, maybe a couple of people, and they have to do this uh, uh, servicing for the, the customer service. And do you have like people on your team that are they working different time zones or are they working night shifts or how, how are you able to kind of like cover the, the whole world with, with, with customer service and in a timely fashion? Yeah, for sure. So I think we have like over like, I mean, I don't know how many CS members I have, but across our companies, we have about 450 people around the world, right? So for e-commerce itself, uh, we do do 24 hour shifts. So we have three shifts around the clock. 
So pretty much every shift is like uh, eight hours coverage. So like we don't miss out any any like live chats or, and that's pretty much the short and um, summary to how to resolve this. So pe with people that are starting out, I don't I don't really mm. think twenty four hour shifts is necessary because of our volume and uh, the amount of stores that we have. We feel that it's a necessary kind of like benefit that we can offer to our customers because. In order to stand out or in order to, because customer service, I feel is the lowest, the, it's the cheapest thing that someone or an entrepreneur can invest in and get like good service and experience for customers, right? Because like if you, if you invest in a lot of like really expensive shipping, that's going to be really expensive, yeah. right? For example, FedEx, DHL, you know, if you're selling a high ticket product, that's totally fine. But if you're selling like impulse products like us, like 40 to $60, you can't afford to to use mm -hmm. DHL or FedEx to for your customers because that's gonna probably eat into all your profits, right? So in order for us to do that, we we just have like for for our more popular stores or probably at different certain like you know BFCM or Black Friday, Cyber Monday, we'll ensure that we have live chat support on our stores because like those are the times where people are really anxious about making sure that they're gonna get the product for Christmas or, you know, they're buying on Cyber Monday or Black Friday in order to buy those products for at a discount in order to gift it on Christmas, right? But the thing with the thing with dropshipping is like during that season, it's like every <laughs> single peep, every single seller is, is having a peak season, right? It's not just me. It's every single seller. It's like it's so much easier to sell at that point uh, in Q4. And shipping is always a problem. So one thing that we learned across the years is like during these times, we'll, we'll, sh we'll prepare in advance and ship over like a certain amount of inventory in over to our warehouses in the US so that we can use local fulfillment methods whereby it's, it's more, we're more in control of the shipping times. And that will help drastically reduce the amount of like chargebacks, unhappy customers uh, during yeah, this Yeah, definitely. This so if, you, if um, you were to recommend entrepreneur to just invest us a sum of money the first hire or the first thing that you would recommend would be to to, to put it on customer service 100 percent, because like what customer service is taking a lot of time and definitely i don't think it's a good use of the entrepreneur's time himself to be of course he needs to be aware of what are the problems he needs to have like an oversight he needs to be checking some of the tickets uh himself but his his him checking it is more about to ensure the quality of the response to ensure the, the customer support team members are doing like what they're supposed to do. But his, his job is not supposed to go into replying tickets and customer inquiries and all that kind of stuff because it's just going to take up time. And I don't think it's the best use of time for an entrepreneur because I feel his time should be used in terms of marketing, you know, finding new products or like product ideas or expansion. So walk us through your uh, typical day what do you spend most of your time on? Is it on researching new products? Is it uh, communicating with the team? Is it a typical day would look like for yep. and that ideal you know situation? So usually I split up my entire week across my like 12 different companies. So every single day I will have different companies that I'm focusing on for that day. Uh, most of my time is spent strategically with all my executive team. So every single company I have either my partners or my C-level uh, executives running that, that business itself, right? So I have 12, around 12 companies right now. We're expanding to probably 15 companies this year. So like a lot of my time is spent strategizing, like, you know, checking how, how can we scale this business or probably different ideas that I want to find new 
new people to start. So for example, one of the new business that we are starting this year is with a, is with a new partner for, for an Amazon business because I'm not an Amazon expert itself, but I do know Amazon is a very lucrative business model, right? So in order for, for me to do it well, it's not possible for me to learn every single thing mm. in the market, for example, Amazon, right? It's, it's a totally different skill set. And it's very hard for me to like, you know, be an expert in that, like in a really short span of time. So my role would be finding talents who are so much better in, or probably one of the top in that industry itself. And my, my role would be to offer him or to, to attract him into doing business with us and setting up a new company with him as a, like a stakeholder or, or shareholder in the company, whereby we will provide all the necessary resources, like, you know, manpower, HR, you know, customer service, money, capital, you know, we will invest in the business itself, kind mm. of like an incubator, right? We're, we're starting to do things like, so, which is why I was, I'm able to run all these other businesses because I have really good partnerships with like, you know, partners that's running the entire show. So even though we have like over 450 people, employees around all the businesses, technically I'm only managing all my partners, right? I only manage all my partners. Mm. I don't manage 450 people because that's almost impossible, right? So every single company, we have like one or two, three different partners. For example, I'm also in software, right? So software is something that we're focusing on in 2021 as well, because it's, it's a business model that we feel is really, really good because like once you get the business up there, it's all recurring, it's software, it's very scalable, right? So I'm not a developer, but I have like my CTO mm -hmm. who's like really good in like, um, you know, coding and, and all that. So I was able to leverage and add resources in helping them scale the business. And that's kind of like how my typical kind of like day to day would be like following up with all my different partners, strategizing, like checking out, like, because I'm more like a vision guy. Like I know I'm more like a visionary. I'm, I'm planning to see, obviously I'm not like at the level where I could see like 10 years like beyond right but i'm trying to see how we could pick up trends like early on so that we could be the earliest into like different markets right so for example one thing that we're focusing on like part in the, like uh, two three years ago we have been looking at southeast asia for example indonesia vietnam philippines malaysia these are all really under tap markets that like majority of the people are focusing on oh wow amazon's the big thing dropshipping's the big thing we really have like you know we have like a, a small team like a 20 percent uh, small team that we cater to exploring and feeling right that's kind of like we're, we're embracing how google do things like you know try and fail you know if it works it's great right if it doesn't then it's all good because we're going to see how we could leverage new markets and if we can crush it during the testing phase that it will be really good for us in the next yeah, few definitely. years. Definitely. I mean, just being able to, like you said, you're only managing working with your, your key partners and then they manage their own teams. And then, and your, your role is just to be a strategy guy and, and focus on, you know, directing the, the direction of the, of the companies. So it's, it's interesting yep. to see how you, you know, your companies are growing and yourself are growing and throughout the years, because, you know, even like hearing you share about the software aspect of it, it's also something like my companies is working on this year as well, because um, we're doing the marketing agency and all that stuff. And we, we realized that there's only so much, like we have to scale the team with different clients that we bring on. But if we have the software on, then uh, we can actually apply that software to the pre-existing clients and also scale the software out to clients that we would probably, they would not be in our 
target audience per se, you know, for uh, agency side of things because they just can't afford to pay the stop, the fees. So what, what are different stages you feel like as a business owner, even beyond e-commerce to get to like an A-figure, become an A-figure entrepreneur and, and beyond? Like what are the different stages, like uh, six figures, seven figures and eight figures, the different types of businesses or activities that you would need to do to, to transition between these phases? For, uh, I think for every entrepreneur, yeah. it's pretty different. Like, um, because I've like, um, I've started a few startups, like, uh, and typically when you're starting your own first, first few startups, like you, you're always all in, right? So, which is why I lost all my money, right? Because I, I kind of believe in, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to be the next Steve Jobs. Everyone has server, that. But here I am, Steve Tan, right? <laughs> right. So like, uh, I've kind of been burned before. So nowadays, like, you know, I've, I've, I've learned to be more like a poker player. Like, you know, I learned how to diversify my risk. And, you know, like if you read all those books by like, you know, uh, Bill Gates, Elon Musk and all, I mean, all these guys are geniuses, right? And those people doing all in is really different from any typical commoner like <laughs> us doing all in, right? And I mean, and a lot of entrepreneurs fail to realize that like starting a startup is not as like, um, it's not going to be so easy, right? It, it, there's so much risk that all of us have to get ourselves involved with day to day and, you know, the amount of capital that we invest in, like, you know, some of us like saved up for like a couple of years and put it all into business and chances are nobody told them that most mm. of them are going to fail, right? Majority of the businesses are going to fail and only the top like few percent, those are going to be like, you know, what, all, all the um, FMP 500 and the remaining like 20, 30% are like, you know, probably us, right? And this is something that like, I feel it's not being transparent enough. And which is why I would like to diversify into a lot of different businesses. So in, in, in essence, if like a couple of my businesses stop working out, for example, drop shipping, Amazon, eBay, or whatsoever, all these different channels, I'm still pretty good. Like, you know, I have all the other businesses that's bringing in generating revenue and all that. Because one of my good friends, uh, from Shopify was actually asking me, Steve, wh why don't you just focus on only mm. one single project and make that a billion dollar, yeah. a billion dollar company? I said, yeah, we could, but you, you, like, what are the kind of risks that you have to be involved with in building that company potentially to a billion dollar valuation, right? It's not that I don't have that kind of ambition. It's just that I would like to like, you know, put my, my eggs in more baskets rather than all in one basket. And, you know, if anything right there has really good potential, then we could like allocate more resources into this. In my opinion, I feel that this is a much safer way for me to build the business. And this has helped us scale like very, very stably across all our companies. And like, you know, we, we kind of like could invest more into like, for example, Libvisa was growing really fast this year you know, during the pandemic and we were able to allocate more resources. I was able to like put pull, pull some of my um, executive team from other companies over to like, kind of like parachuting into this company because I feel this company could help, uh, could be able to, could use more help from my other like staffs and advice from some of my key managers. So that's kind of like how I do things nowadays. And uh, I feel that in order to scale during this whole pandemic, I think it, everyone needs to be a bit more flexible in terms of like um, their business model. And of course, I feel like people that are just starting out, obviously they don't have so many other businesses to, in order to, to grow. Then at the point of time, it's better to just focus on yeah. one first, right? Then as you slowly grow, 
uh, one of my advice is like you shouldn't be neglecting what's bringing mm. in the money. So a lot of people have like kind of like the shiny object syndrome, like including <laughs> myself. Everything, everything that's new, it's always better than, for example, yeah. cryptocurrency, right? Uh, that's kind of like. By the way, are and, you are you invested in that? that lot, <laughs> I'm very heavy into crypto a few years ago, but I, I at this point of time I have zero crypto. Yeah. Like I have zero. Like yeah. So like mm. I I see it more as I see it more that's as a distraction right now. But I have like I'm planning to go in some, but mm. I'm probably probably gonna hold it for ten years rather than like in and out. So like I don't want any distractions in my business right now, um, because like I know my business is going. It's more. Like my business is it's like stable, right? But cryptocurrency is more speculation, like you know, FOMO. Like everyone's just trying to get into it because the pricing is going mm. up. And I had I had that internal conversation with myself that okay, I'm gonna be focusing on my business hundred percent, and of course I'm gonna put in some money as just investment. It's just gonna be set and forget. I don't care if it drops to one thousand dollars. I'm just gonna put it in there for like ten years and set and forget. I'll just probably check in like ten years later. Right, I don't care how much it goes up. So right now, right now yeah. I'll just like um, focus on all my businesses that I feel it's gonna be something that's more stable. So I see ourselves more like a late game game hero, right? So like yes, some of my friends could have made a lot of money through cryptocurrency, but probably guess what? When the hype dies or like when it stops growing, it, they're gonna hit like um, you know the ceiling. But for us, we're going to continually grow, grow, grow. Yeah. We have stability. And potentially we could exit the business for like multiple seven, eight or nine figures in, uh, possibly in the next few years. So that's something that I focus on nowadays rather than like getting into the new shining object syndrome and whatnot. Yeah, I think that's the differentiator between the those that, you know, get to the seven and eight figure range is because they decide what they're going to say no to. Because like you, I also was very hesitant to even buy a single dollar in crypto and I still haven't really bought, I bought like, you know, barely anything. And it's just, it's just like, if it loses like 90% <laughs> of the value to today, I don't care. Right. Uh, because I even told my friends that don't really get that. If you're a business owner, your confidence should be in your ability exactly. to grow your business and uh, not in, not in the market's ability to grow the, the so-called speculative <laughs> investment. It w- might as well invest in yourself, right? And your investing in yourself will bring a lot more multiple. 100%. Than, uh, let's say how much, uh, yeah. And I like to, I, I, I share that a lot with some people and some people just think that, oh, I'm, I'm missing out or something like that. And I'm thinking, you know, it's, uh, you're not really creating any new value from just, just speculating on this stuff, right? You create, value in jobs but when you do good in your business i think i think everyone needs i think everyone needs to be very clear on what's business and what's investment yeah. right so if you look at it more like uh, a lot of people are getting into crypto because they're like monkey see monkey do yeah. right everyone's fomo all oh, price is 75 out uh, thirty-five thousand dollars right now and of course i'm human i still feel like oh my god i should have gotten like you know like i should have bought like a million dollars at three three thousand dollars <laughs> right but who, who knows right so but so my brother was talking like we had we had this conversation a lot with my brother and us we we every end of the year we'll do dividend splits right from companies that we incubate or we invest in and one of the companies that we invested in we only invested in ten thousand dollars and we got back three hundred thousand dollars that's thirty x oh. in returns in just like one year right we got like we got back thirty x so. Well, obviously the amount is not as much as crypto could have been, 
but I'm building an asset. Yeah. This company is going to be in the business for at least three to 10 years, at least the next three to 10 years. And this is only the first year. We only, we really got $300,000 in dividends. Who knows? Like in the next few years, we're going to get millions of dollars in dividends every single year. And we could possibly, uh, probably exit the business for like multiple seven figures in cash. Mm. Right? So this is like, I, 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 I see, I see crypto as an investment vehicle. Yeah. So I'm not really like, I, I'm not really FOMO when it comes to, Oh, I, I missed out. You know, I wanted to buy in at $18,000 <laughs> and now it's like what 35,000. I was yeah. like, Oh, it's okay. You know, I have all the time in the world to wait when I'm going to put all my money, I'm going to be putting more of my money into investing in potential companies that are able to scale like, you know, in the next few years. Right. Yeah. So that's my, that's, that's how I do things nowadays. And majority of my portfolio are investing in startups and I'm definitely going to set up a fund to incubate more like you know, local entrepreneurs or like international entrepreneurs, yeah. you know, to, to work with them together, to help incubate them to be the next generation of like, you know, digital entrepreneurs. Makes a lot of sense because uh, we're, we're all doing something similar, similar where we are kind of like, we're kind of changing our positioning to more like an incubator where we're looking for promising projects that we will spend our time to help them grow their business. As a result, we get a percentage of their, you know, their profits. And I feel like that is just like the upside for that is, is crazy because, you yeah, know, maybe for sure. Definitely. you invest. I mean, it, a lot, some of those are just time costs, right? It's not even necessarily investing your own resources and, and money. So, uh, and those could, you know, the return on that, those are essentially infinite. Of course, there's some that are fail and, and all of that, but VCs do the same thing, right? They invest in like 10 companies and then yep. like only one or two of them actually become a unicorn. So. And, and a lot of them invest really little money, like 50, 100,000, $200,000 yeah. in like early seed stage. I was like, okay, I'm, I, I actually invest more than that. Like, you know, I mean, I invest all the way from 10,000 to like a million dollars. And, you know, we have seen tremendous growth in a lot of our companies. And I'm glad, like I would say, all the companies that we have in, been involved with and invested in, they're all doing pretty well, which is yeah. what brought us like, you know, I mean, LiveVista is one of the companies that I kind of like invested in and I'm, our, I'm the CEO of that company, but yeah. it doesn't mean that all the other companies that we've invested in is not growing because this, I think during COVID, every, every pandemic or every crisis, there's always opportunities. And I'm super thankful and grateful that like we're in this industry, digital age, whereby I've been in the industry for quite a while and I'm able to like capitalize when everyone's like freaking out. Everyone's like, Oh yeah. my God, the world's coming to an end. We're like, okay, wow. Let's, let's see how it's, we could ride this it's wave. buying season for yeah. you. It's like buying season for you. It's like, okay, what, what can I allocate my, my capital and resources to during this time exactly. to maximize yeah. the returns and, and, and indirectly you're creating jobs, you, you know, you're feeding families and you're creating more business for, for other, you know, entrepreneurs around the world yeah during the whole pandemic like this whole like we have never let go of a single stuff at all because we know how hard it is for our employees to like tie through this whole thing unless it's like you know if it's unless it's for like you know integrity issues or like things we we would never let go of any stuff during this pandemic which is like i know this is a tough time for a lot of people especially mm -hmm. with all the lockdowns and all that and we, we, we want to be not just only like a money-making company. We believe in our, our mission, our vision and making like, you know, providing value to not just our, like uh, ourselves, but of course our employees. And of course, all the family members that like, you know, we're, we're also taking care of during these times.
yeah it's, it's amazing it's amazing the, the the mission you're on to really like keep everyone employed and uh, making sure that their families are okay during this time it's uh, it's really important because many people are losing their jobs and uh, they have yep. a lot of uncertainty it's really good the work that you're doing right now thank <laughs> really you appreciate it <laughs> appreciate it <laughs> you just quickly mentioned uh, that you were you know part of elite vista and i, I also know uh, you know shannon and, and gabriel there and ah, nice. you know <laughs> so like i know that you guys are empowering entrepreneurs around the world teaching them e-commerce mm -hmm. and stuff so why don't you share a little bit about like you know your, your mission and you know as part of that company yeah so i mean lit vista like uh, our vision is to create like a global education platform that delivers like you know like transformational and innovative business trainings because like uh, for aspiring entrepreneurs around the world. And I think it's very important to equip them with the right mindset and of course the right skill sets in order for them to live the life to the fullest. Because a lot of people mm -hmm. don't know their potential, to be honest. Like a lot of people just feel, oh, I'm just going to be a nine to five employee. And, but regardless if they want to be entrepreneurs or not, we still want to empower them and let them know what's their fullest potential regardless if they just want to learn and just continue working as an employee, that's totally fine because they can level up their skill sets, level up their mindset. And of course they could be responsible for better or more important roles in the company. And our mission is to, uh, you know, provide the best e-commerce trainings and digital marketing trainings to people around the world. And this would help mm. them. doesn't matter if it's e-commerce, digital marketing. We only work with like entrepreneurs with, proven track record for example our trainers they are all entrepreneurs uh, in different uh, different categories right we only work with um, entrepreneurs that have proven track records and practitioners we don't work with gurus at all because like you know gurus only provide like you know very fluffy stuff we provide like actionable business trainings and insights so that we can ensure higher probability of success for our students and I think yeah that's kind of like uh, what we're on uh, we're on a mission to enrich educate and empowering people love it i love it just entrepreneurs is what the world needs right now you know it's crazy world out there and having entrepreneurs just put their heads together and create new you know value for the world is uh, is, is awesome if you had to look back you know throughout your entrepreneur experience what has been something you've you changed your mind up on like maybe even in the last six months or maybe since COVID started what is something you changed your mind on in your business like something that you used to believe and kind of did a 180 and why did you do that what well, is there something I, yeah i think um in the past few years like i've been really focusing on only making money right mm -hmm. like uh, i mean but especially when you lost everything um it's your mind is all about trying to make back the money that you have lost and i think this whole transition over to like giving value first um actually struck me when i was uh, when i started my group and, you know, I was so focused on just giving value. I don't really care about the returns and everything. And I realized that, you know, I'm not sure if like, if it's like the law of attraction or whatsoever, you know, th this whole giving value first, providing value, quality of your programs, products and everything, the money would just come by itself. And I realized the more I don't focus on making money, the more money I make. Right. It's mm. just like, it's just interesting how the world works, whereby we focus more on like providing really good value, you know, even for our programs, for our products, for our services, you know, it's all about ensuring customer success, customer satisfaction, 
you know, regardless of what kind of industry that we're in, because we're in a lot of different industries like software, education, agencies, supply chain, and all that. And we realized that, you know, once we, once we figure out what the market really wants and ensuring that we're providing the best product or best service, you know, money and like brand building just falls in place by itself. You know, obviously we're still going to be ensuring like, you know, outreach uh, is being done properly, you know, like give giveaways on different channels of omni-channel marketing. It's all being done properly. And the focus would be more on the whole experience, unboxing experience, customer shopping experience, customer support experience. These are all different things that, you know, plays a huge part. And uh, that's kind of like my whole mindset shift, I think, in the last few years. And that's kind of like what we focus on in company. Our OKRs are, are not like revenue drive uh, driven. Obviously, we still need to hit some of our KPIs and all that. We have like goals that we want to hit, but it's more about like, you know, ensuring and empowering and making sure that our product is the most competitive and the best product in the market. Mm, that's that's a really that's a really important point you brought up because I remember when I was just really focused like just in survival mode just oh, I gotta make some money gotta make some money and I know people that also that were in that kind of like mindset and the more you're trying to hold on to that outcome and like oh man I need to I need to achieve a certain thing by a certain age and then it doesn't happen and then and I realized that um, there's a lot the world out there many people are going out there pitching their services, constantly trying to sell people on something yeah. when you're just another person in the room trying to do the same thing that they're doing. It's just like in a room where everyone is talking and no one's listening and, and you're changing the dynamic around and then it's kind of like a fresh a breath of fresh air. And it's like, oh, okay, this person really generally wants to help me. And so how can I help them back, right? Maybe buy a product or service and, you know, be part of their, their journey to grow. And that's a very important point because uh, that, I feel like that's why many entrepreneurs that uh, get into the if they get into the game with their sole intention, like, Hey, I got to make as much money as possible in the shortest time. They're probably not going to make it. Cause um, they're, if they don't make that money in, in like, say, I don't know, three months, six months, a year, they're going to give up. And, and that's how I, I, I see yep. it. I think it's important to understand why they started yeah. this business. Of course, like when they're starting drop shipping, the sole yeah. intention is to make money. Right. But I mean, subsequently, once you have made your first pot of money, uh, whatever business you're going into needs to have a, like a strong core purpose. Like for example, why do I want to start this company? For example, Limpista, we want to empower and educate more people around the world so that they can live life to the fullest. But a lot of people are just like, okay, uh, I started this company because I want to make X amount of money yeah. per year. That's it. And that's not a strong why, right? If you don't have a strong why, you know, you can't empower your employees, your staffs, your partners, your C-level executives, and moving into the right direction or probably a, a line streamlined direction so that like, you know, you, you feel very frustrated by things are not being done properly. And one thing that we do, like we feel is very important is to have like really, really good goals, like OKRs in the companies, like objectives that you want to hit. And that's going to be like transparent throughout the company. And it will really help to align every single one in the company because a lot of company lacks transparency. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, like we're really transparent with our employees, like, you know, what kind of revenue numbers we want to hit, how many, like um, how many students we want to empower this year, you know, so that everyone all the way down to like, you know, uh, like, you know, customer service, uh, customer service staff, they know what's their role and what kind of key results or objectives they are contributing to in the mm. entire company. 
when a staff knows what they're contributing to, they are going to be like, they're going to be much more efficient. They, they're going to be like uh, customer uh, engagement, uh, no, sorry, employees engagement satisfaction in the company is going to be way higher because they know whatever they're doing right now is not just routine, boring stuff that they're doing every single day, like, you know, reply emails. So like, for example, they know replying emails is contributing to, for example, uh, Live Vista's like, you know, um, mission or values in providing the best customer service and best value to our customers. So it aligns the whole company people so that we're all going in the same direction rather than everyone going in their own direction, like, you know, and having fun with that. <laughs> Love it. Having those, oh, by the way, for those that are listening that don't know what OKRs are, like Steve just explained, it's objective and key results. And so my understanding objectives uh, not don't necessarily have a figure attached to it. It's more like an overarching uh, m- mission and the key result has a bit of the milestones and stuff yep. in there. Yeah, that kind of thing. And yeah, it was is I, I love hearing your story. I love hearing that, you know, you really have heart to help entrepreneurs around the world, educate them and help them grow their business. For those that want to follow you, want to reach out to you, where, where's the best way they can find you? I know you have a huge Instagram following. Yeah, um, if they want to learn more about like e-commerce, like feel free to just go over to Facebook and just search e-commerce elites mastermind. It's like a, it's a free group where we have about like 120,000 people from all over the world sharing e-commerce stuff. You know, I dropped in and um, you know, share value from time to time. Or people could follow me at Instagram, just like search for Steve Tan and they could find me easily there. Awesome. I'll put their links in the in the show notes. Really appreciate you coming on the show. It's been a pleasure and I learned a lot and sure our listeners will as well. And so there you have it, Steve Tan. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Gilbert. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. You can find more episodes every Tuesday if you haven't done so. Please subscribe for more updates as they come. Until next time.